Do you know why I pulled you over this week? Yeah, you missed a stop sign and some Sad Styles Productions. I'm going to have to write you a ticket for four podcasts. On Tuesday, the retrograde has a tea time with Mario Golf. Hole in one or double bogey? On Thursday, 60 goal scorer Dennis Marouk explains how one season of hockey can change the rest of your life on the sign-off, a Frameworth podcast. Also on Thursday, the Jackass crew begins their stump-by-stump breakdown of season two of the TV show Jackass. On Friday, we lose money with Andrew Bascom on the NHL and NBA playoffs, plus a UFC fight night. Don't forget to practice safe listening. Well, you better get on your way. Don't forget to get into it. Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Hello and welcome. My name is Mikey Aaronworth, signing on to the sign-off of Frameworth Podcast for yet another week. And ladies and gentlemen, it has only been a few weeks since the first time we had Brad Jansen on the podcast. And exactly as I promised, so many of you reached out to us and let us know that you wanted to have him back on. He teased a lot more stories the first time he was on. And on this episode, we finally had a chance to get into them in detail. Now, if you didn't hear the first episode with Brad Jansen as a guest, I highly suggest you go back and listen to it. Would have been about four or five weeks ago, something along those lines. He is an equipment representative or an equipment ambassador, and he has been for several companies in the NHL. So his relationships with a lot of the players and a lot of the representatives of the league as well as the equipment manufacturers themselves, uh, extend back decades. Now, his stories from within the league and within the locker room are not worth missing. Make sure you listen to this episode because a lot of what you guys loved about his first appearance was his stories about interactions with the athletes when their demands for equipment cannot be met or something happens and they receive the wrong pair of skates or the wrong stick, something along those lines. He's here to tell us a lot more of those stories and kind of go in depth because as we always talk about, what we're interested in telling are the stories that exist beyond the scope of just the ice rink in between whistles. We love knowing what happens in the locker room and beyond. And so much of that has to do with these people like Brad Jansen who work tirelessly to make sure that the game goes on exactly as we see it on the ice, even though many of us don't even know who they are. So without further ado, I would love to get to the episode. We sat down with Brad Jansen for a solid 45 minutes or so, and we spared no expense and asked him every question that we could. If there's anything we missed, make sure to reach out to us, sign off pod at framework.com. Let us know some questions you'd like for us to ask him or some questions that you'd like to have us answer live on the podcast. We will see you guys on the other side. Welcome back to the sign-off. Thanks again for joining us for yet another week. We have a familiar face here in the room with us. Uh, already, you know, just just one quick uh, appearance you had on this podcast, and the guests were already asking to have you back. We promised another story. I'll introduce him in a moment. Uh, I'm here, though, joined with Brian Aaronworth, the president of Frameworth Sports Marketing. I am Mikey Aaronworth, host of the sign-off podcast, and we have former equipment rep, a celebrity to the stars, is that fair <laughs> yeah. to say? Brad Jansen, yeah. is that a better sure. introduction oh, yeah, than, sure. than oh, yeah. similar to Rocket, the uh, head of Athlete Security? Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. well, who am I following today? A nice scraper from Scotiabank Arena or something? <laughs> or What's it like shoveling snow in front of 18,000 people? Is that is that where we're next? Is that coming after that one? Probably. Honestly, 
I bet you they've got some good stories. I wouldn't I wouldn't be oh, surprised. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe not Just trying quite, to help your podcast. Maybe not quite the stories that you have, Brad. Uh, and I yeah. I want to kind of get started now. If you didn't listen to the original episode with Brad Jansen, I highly suggest you do so. Primarily because there was uh, some addition to the Rick Nash story. Sure, we're not going to get into that. But you also had some stories about uh, your time as a representative for equipment for various NHL uh, uh, companies, whether it's for skates, sticks, uh, jerseys, jerseys, everything. Uh, And you had some stories where in your interactions with these athletes, you may have provided some sticks that didn't suit their purpose. Maybe you couldn't help them get what they need. Maybe you picked a fight with Ty Domi himself. All those stories yeah, you can find right. yeah, yeah. on our past episodes. Uh, but let's, can we lead off? I, I, our fans loved those. Can we have another, another story from the locker room where I'm not going to say you did your job poorly because you're always doing the best you can, but where something happened, you can blame someone else if you want uh, to, to get you into a little bit of hot water with one of the athletes. Oh, yeah. Do the best I can. That's why I was fired from every company I worked for. But other than that, yeah, great. Uh, well, hey, for, one... for some of us, that is the best we can do. Maybe you just can't do yeah. better. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think one time I was down in uh, New York with the Rangers, and Mark Messier was playing for the Rangers then. And uh, I remember mentioning earlier, he, he was a, a whack job with skates. Like, he was crazy. He, you know, every game he's changing stuff and putting it. So I'm in the equipment room with uh, Mike Folga, who was the equipment manager back then, and uh, a pair of CCM skates had come in for one of their players. His name was Mike Hudson. And Mike was a good player, but he was like a third, fourth liner. And uh, the skates had just come in. They'd taken a little longer than they should have. And I remember Huddy was in desperate need of a new pair of skates, according to Folga, and he needed these right away. So the box came in. We're looking at them, and Folga and I are looking at them. And all of a sudden, Mess comes walking in the office and he goes oh how you doing Jenny good how you doing that's good 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 what do you got here and he looks at him and goes oh they look pretty good and next thing you know he throws one on his foot and he goes geez these feel great he says these feel really good he goes to folks hey folks sharpen these up I'm gonna wear them tonight and I'm like uh they're oh. for Mike Hudson uh, and he's kind of been waiting for about two three weeks for a new pair of skates and nobody's saying anything and all of a sudden he's like and folks goes, okay, yeah, mess, no problem. We'll get them all ready to go. So he sharpens them up and he goes, and folks says, do not tell Mike Hudson oh his skates God. are here. And mess just took them and he's going to wear them. So <laughs> we don't see anything. And uh, so the game starts and I, I don't, I can't remember. I was even watching it. Uh, I talked to folks afterwards. I was, hey, folks, what did mess think uh, Mike Hudson skates? And he goes, well, put it this way. He skated around two or three times with him, came to the bench. He says, get these fucking things off me right now. I got my old skates back. And he changed the skates. So I said, well, what did you do with them? He said, well, I couldn't really give them to Hudson. Right. I've used a pair of skates. Just, hey, Mike, here's a pair of skates for you. Just so you know, Messier bored them for a couple shifts you. and didn't really like them. So I was like, oh, great, great. I didn't ever, I never told Huddy that story either. I was like, oh. So how'd you end so, up getting him his, uh, his skates? Did you just have to wait a little while or what? We had to order another pair. And, uh, you know, again, it was like a rush. You know, we tried and we banged him over him really quick yeah. uh, type of thing. And so he, he probably didn't even know until I, I think afterwards we told him, you know, what mess had done with his skates. <laughs> now, how many, hey, how, how many years were you working in, in this, this industry for like, like across all uh, companies? 
I've been tricked. I tricked him for 38 years, <laughs> 38 years. There you go. Yeah. Now, um, yeah. you, you've worked for uh, a lot of equipment companies, some of which were, you know, the, the, the biggest in the world, some of which were uh, just starting out and gaining notoriety. I think of uh, true, for example, uh, was yeah. one of your more recent uh, employments there. What's the yeah. major difference working with a company like true versus a company uh, uh, like CCM? Well, um, I think when you're a new brand, um, first you, you have to believe in the product before you're even going to go in and represent it to a right. pro athlete. Right. You know, they don't want to hear the bullshit. Like this is the best, this is the best, whatever. Cause they already, they'll know, right. like, they'll know right away. So you've got to, you have to believe you're committed to the to brand and the product as well. And that comes out in, in, you know, when you're, when you're working for them. Um, true was a great, has a great product, has a great brand. They've been actually making, you know, hockey sticks for, for the last 15 years or longer, but they were an OEM company. So they were making CCM, they were making Sherwood, oh, they were making okay. STX. So they made everybody else's sticks for them, right. but they didn't have their own brand. So it, it's actually, when you start with a new brand, it's uh, like TPS was a new up and coming one piece stick. You know, the expectations aren't as high as when you're working for an, an Easton or a CCM or a Bauer, where they expect to have, you know, lots and lots of players and lots of sales of their product. You're, you're talking uh, about the expectations that the company will have for you right. or that the players will have for the equipment. No, the company itself has, you know, the, the pro departments are a major marketing uh, tool for these companies. And, and it's, it's a lot of money. It's costs a lot of money to have to just to say you want to go into the NHL and sell stuff that won't work. There's a licensing fee you have to pay to the National Hockey League. Right. So if you want to have your hockey stick brand exposed in the NHL, it's $150,000 US a year. So if you want a helmet, it's 150000 If you want skates, it's 150000 You want gloves, it's 150000 wow. And that's that's so, for, that's just, say say I, Mikey Aaronworth, out of my basement, develop this fantastic new stick, and I yep. meet a player who enjoys using it. That player yep. can't use it unless I pay no. that fee? No. And what's you have of, to pay that licensing fee. What sort and the of, player can't even black it out. Like it, it's, They're wow. pretty strict about it. Now, what so is you're 500000 U.S. just before you even so, sell. If, if you've got head-to-toe company, you're, you're, you're five hundred grand before you even sell one piece of product. And all the revenue that you're making is for stick sales to the players. I'm, I'm assuming you don't get anything really back from the league. It's That's just an entry. No, 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 no. The league doesn't really give you anything other than take. They like taking your money. Uh, they don't even give you free tickets. They don't give you, there's nothing there that's free. They'll, wow. they'll take your cash. Though, that's for sure. That's, I, I hadn't, did you know that, Dan? Yeah, I, well... I know about the league. Yeah, well, I know sure. that, but but the the idea, like to me, that concept of of this this piece of equipment that I really like as a player, well, you can't use. I, that I didn't actually know that that the stick stick companies paid licensing right, fees of that right. caliber. But keep in mind that the reason that they the big reason they want the players to use the sticks, although I think they charge the team. So, but is, oh, yeah. is to get yeah. them in the stores for sure. For yeah. sure, Mitch yeah. Marner is yeah. a good example, right? I mean, Mitch must right, have been... and the teams all pay for the stuff, right? It's yeah, not. Yeah. I think the perception is that. These NHL guys get everything for free. Well, actually, they don't. They they pay a lot of money. Like it, it may be close to re, not quite retail, but it's pretty close to, you know, the, the sticks are not cheap anymore to these teams. Like they're kind of a couple hundred bucks a stick. Hmm. And so now what happens is a guy may use it for. Well, most players use one brand new stick a game. Some guys use three. Right. Uh, you know, uh, but when you put it in perspective. Uh, a guy using six hundred dollars worth of hockey sticks, 
And let's say he's making, you know, whatever, $5 million a year, and it's paid over the game. It's really, he's making $10,000 that game right. to play. Right. So $600 in the scheme of things is not, shouldn't be a big deal. There's, there's... And they also take those sticks and put them up in their stores. Right. And if they pay $200, they have got them up in the stores now for three fifty. So, <laughs> so it's a revenue generator for the teams as well. There's another angle to that, though, which is really important because, the, you know, Players initially, they it's coming in the minors and that they want their sticks paid for. It's expensive, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, of course. And yeah, then yeah. coming into the league, well, hey, they don't they don't need to be paying for their sticks. They let the team pay for their sticks, but that then yeah. the team owns the sticks. Now the player right. can give the odd stick to a guy in the fan sure. in the stands sure. or whatever. But when I first met Sydney, I said, you know, you'd be better off owning your own product and paying for your own product, so you own it. And <laughs> now his game use sticks are going for between a thousand and twenty five hundred US for just an average stick. So he owns those sticks. The team can't take those sticks from him. And that was a good deal. Now that's if you're Sidney yeah, Crosby, yeah. right? So the right, players right. the players can opt to pay for their own sticks or have the team pay for it. That's that's the case? I'm not sure yeah, that yeah. they all can. Yeah, I don't think so. Like some teams um you know, they're like I mean uh Lou Amarillo, he'd say definitely not. You yeah. know, uh, you're part of this team, and you know this is the team concept. Uh, he I, he would never allow that. And I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I think Connor McDavid may have the same situation in Edmonton on his product. Um, you know, you you have to be one of the top or the top guy to have that in your contract. Command because, that, yeah. That's yeah, fair. like a third liner is not going to, a fourth liner is not going into the GM and say, hey. I, I want all my uh, stuff given to me. They're going to be like, well, but then there's, right. there's that whole big thing that happened after, even after we were getting the game use nets and that where guys, companies like Migray ended up doing big deals with the NHL to own the jerseys right. after right, and upper right, deck right. buys yeah. them. So there's, yeah. there's now become in the last 15 years, huge money in reselling game use product. Cause that's limited. It's like an original yeah. painting versus, versus a print. Well, and I think right. the perception of, of, what game used equipment is has changed. I mean, it may have started off with uh, Dad your interview that you had with uh, with um, uh, or your meeting that you had with the New York Rangers, right. where you essentially told them that you know don't throw away plexiglass, you can cut it down and sell it. And now all of a sudden, everything that has been used is is a revenue change. Could for be them. a revenue yeah. change. Right. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, so exactly. I, I like that, and and you spent some time with True. I mean, Mitch must have been an enormous deal at True, right? Was he was he one of their first major stars, or who who else? Would oh yeah, yeah, that? absolutely. So I would known Mitch uh, when he played when he first got to the London Knights because I had Max Domi. I uh, was working at Easton at the time, actually, and we had Max Domi under a small uh, deal because his dad said, "If you don't, I'll kill you." <laughs> so we signed. Is this after small... he apologized to you, or what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, this was afterwards, okay. and then he'd be calling me. You know, we've got Max Domi in London under an Easton deal, and he'd be all of a sudden I'd get tight. Jack, Max just broke two sticks. Fuck. What I go? Well, why are you calling me? Call the equipment manager. I'm not the like why I, I you know. And then he'd call and go, Jack, go down to London and tell Max he's got to change his curve. I go, what? He goes, tell him he's got to change his curve. He, he's got no backhand. He's got too big a curve. Oh my and god. And I'm like, oh okay. So I did go down to London. I said, hey. Max, just so you know, your dad called the other day and says you're supposed to change your curve because wow. you can't do a backhand, so you need a smaller curve. <laughs> so you're, and you're go, the buffer between them, yeah. Yeah, I go, let's just play along, and if he says, yeah, yeah, we got a new curve coming, it's not as big, 
I'll, I'll go with it and we'll, everybody will be happy. Oh, that's so, amazing. So we had Max under a small deal in London and Mitch had just got there. He was a first round. He was 15. And I remember him walking around the dressing room and I go to the equipment manager. I go, Hey, whose kids in here? Like he goes, Jenny, that's our first rounder. That kid's our first rounder. Like he was, he looked like he was 12 years old. He was 130 pounds, you know, and he goes, you, you wait till you watch this kid. He's going to, he's unbelievable. So obviously uh, Max was there the one year and we had, then the next year we had nobody in London and London's a major market. It was a, it's a major market for, it's not NHL, but it's pretty close. You know, and they're getting 10,000 a game. They, they, they're a pretty major marketing market for us. And so we then went and uh, Darren was the agent for Mitch. And I said, you know, we'd like to do a deal with Mitch next year when Ty move, or Max moves on. We're going to, we need somebody here and we think Mitch would be great. So we, we met with the parents, uh, Paul and Bonnie and great family, great to deal with. And we did a small deal with Mitch, kind of the same premise as what we had with Max. And it moved on for three years. And <clears throat> It was uh, it was a great relationship there at the start. Then Easton got bought by Bauer um, that the next year, and Mitch had been drafted to the to the Toronto Maple Leafs, obviously, and uh, he still had two years of junior left to go back to the London Knights. And uh, you know, Mark Hunter was a big pusher of Mitch, obviously. So we had done a small deal with. And he's still, still under contract with Easton and Bauer could take that contract over. And uh, after Easton got bought by Bauer, all us Easton guys got piped. So we right. were done. So, right. Even though you we were do doing both. your best, as, as we've talked about. Right. I really tried hard. <laughs> yeah. I really tried. I really tried. <laughs> and, you know, so when a major com- another company buys you, their competitor, usually the guy they buy, you're, you're, you're done. So uh, the true guys had reached out to me um, Right, right after, after that. that and I, you know i kind of thought about it and everything and so I, so i did a small business plan together for them you know what they need to do and i said the, the big thing in the business plan was you need to sign this kid right now and get this kid under contract and they're like oh, okay yep yeah, let's how, how do, do we do? do it so we talked to paul the dad and talked to darren and everything and said hey you know you're not obligated to that that bauer contract sure they can take it over but it's null and void and we like to do a deal with you with True. And, uh, you know, we ended up paying him a significant increase in money, which was well-deserved. And we, it was a three-year deal. And we had we kind of haggled over guarantee on the second year because he could be in the American League. And if you're in the American League, you can't use anything but CCM anyway. So we're like, we really can't pay you to use True to play for the Marlies because you can't use it. So it, it was back and forth, back and forth. So at the end of the day, we ended up guaranteeing him all three years um, with his money, uh, which worked out awesome. So when we went down to Memphis, True was owned by, is owned by True Temper. It's a golf shaft company. It's out of Memphis, Tennessee. And I'm down there with the president of True, and I'm doing the, the presentation on the business plan, and I'm going, you got to sign this kid. And the guy goes, he's not obviously a, a really adverse hockey. He goes, you all trying to tell me we got to sign that kid there? He looks like he's 12 years old. He can't play in the NHL. And I go, yeah, that's the kid you got to sign. And he goes, and we got to pay him how much? And I go, and if you get him at that price, you've got him at a great deal. Yeah. Right? Sure enough, first year there, he lights it up. The product takes off. And we're like, okay. We went back to Paul. 
and Darren, and we ripped the contract up right, right after that and did a whole new deal with him for, and added another year on the back end, ripped the deal up, and he got a big increase in pay, well-deserved because the brand took off. And he, That's amazing. It, all credit to him. It was because... Let's be, and I, I'm gonna be. It was because of him that brand took off. It and, feels, and it feels like it, yeah. And, and because of him, that brand took off, and you were the guy promoting that brand. How's that working out for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really well. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah I see. You're you sitting know. there retired right now, right, with all I'm the money retired, you made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the money I stole. You mean? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, it was good. It was a great four years. Um, it, it's like I say, it's, it was a new brand and it, it, it just, it just took off. And I had a lot of satisfaction when I, when I was done is that, you know, I, I think I helped increase that brand and it's going to be very, very successful. So I, I have a good peace of mind that I may have contributed a little bit to that. That's sure. uh, that interaction that you had with, with who was it? The, the owner of true temper or, 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 or no, he was the president, the yeah. president of, of true yeah, temper. It, that feels like if you were to watch a movie that was made about Mitch Marner's life and it's like him constantly being told you're too small, you're this and that, like yeah. that scene oh, yeah. of, and I got to pay him how much that kid yeah, looks like he's 12 years And we got to pay him how much? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, That's yeah. straight and out I'm of, going, if you get him at that, you've got him at a great price. You got yeah. a great deal. Well, and, it, sure it, and sure enough, it was. Uh, so I want to move into that because clearly it, it, what, what, what I'm trying to stress with stories like this is your player relationships have been kind of the hallmark of your professional career in the NHL. And we sort of mentioned earlier on in the last episode that this sort of relationship and interaction had gotten you involved heavily with Wayne Gretzky. And we talked about how that started with you and how that got you involved with Frameworth through a framing program with Wayne Gretzky and the 99ers. But why don't we kind of pull on that thread a bit? Because there's a lot more that we've done, Frameworth and yourself, that sort of moved forward the relationship with Wayne Gretzky and gave us some some pretty intense stories from the, you know the fantasy camps to to other other programs with WGA let, and, let me interject here just for a second to set this up because it's not much of an interjection if you ask to do it That's, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> so one thing about Brad is and the reason that we'll have him on so many times is that Brad and I have gone back to the early days of of Frameworth and that he has done a lot for this company in terms of the introductions, in terms of setting up things for me, in, in terms of the experiences that I've had, um, Brad was a big part of it. We used to hang out a lot together, but one, one day uh, Brad came in and he said, you know, Wayne Gretzky is, is leaving Upper Deck and mm-hmm. he's going to start his own company. I'm friends with Wayne, I'm friends with his whole family, and it looks like his brother-in-law, Mike Brown, is going to run the company. And he said, I think that they should be doing their product as a frame product. And I said, or you should be involved somehow. And I said, I think that they should be selling their autographs, not just as a photo only because anybody can buy the photo and then frame it in a piece of crap and it doesn't look good. Right. There should be a standard for Wayne's product. And I think we can set that up. And so then Brad, take it from here. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that. I remember that specifically. And, and Mike Brown, who was Wayne's brother-in-law, uh, really good guy, uh, and he was going to, Wayne was moving away from Upper Deck, he was going to do his own, and he had enough family members, and you know, like, he's paying them anyway, so he might as well put him to work, so he, uh, Mike would contacted Mike and said, you know, Mike, I've got, you know, I've been doing some work with these guys here in Toronto, I think you should probably look at their product, because it's not the typical, you know, memorabilia stuff, it's high-end, it's classy, it's, you know, it's it's done right, and you know, you may want to talk to these guys because I said, I've done, 
some work with them. And that's my Jersey case and everything. That's how I got it. So I said, you know, I legitimately has some history with these guys and they're legit. So Mike goes, yeah, absolutely. Love to talk with Brian. How soon can you get to LA? And, uh, I'm like, well, you know, if you send the plane, we can be there the next day. <laughs> turns out flying <laughs> private's a bit quicker. Turns, yeah. yeah. It turns out I can't, he didn't send the plane. So <clears throat> Brian, and I set up, went down to thousand Oaks. Oh well, wait, before Wayne you did. do that, I got to just clarify where we are here. I'm not, I'm not a big company at the time. We're doing okay, but all that. And now I've got to fly down to LA and I got to fly Brad down on my dime, which was, <laughs> and I'm not saying that I didn't want to do that. Well, because I just did, I didn't have the money to do that. Right. I mean, it, that, that was buying a plane ticket and a hotel room and all that stuff. That was big it money. It wasn't that bad, back. Brian. You didn't mind the back of the bus. I was bringing you back <laughs> drinks from the front anyway. Uh, so, like, it wasn't, the front was okay, you know. So like we said, like bad. we said, Brad's not crime. He doesn't pay. Or Brad's like crime. <laughs> exactly. He doesn't pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Free 99, free 99. So where, where do we go from there? How does that meeting go? Yeah. Uh, good. We went over to the office. Uh, I'm, well, I remember Brian, we were just talking about walking the office. And Wayne had literally, I think, just retired a few months ago from the Rangers. And he had this big chair that was a baseball glove. And it was like one of the coolest chairs I've ever seen. And we're like, look at that chair. And, and Mike Brown goes, yeah, that's Wayne's. The Rangers gave it to him when he retired. And it's it's a really cool brown leather chair that's a baseball glove. And like we're just sitting in it. And Mike Brown, the whole time, he's putting. Like he's got a putting green in his office. And Brian's trying to do the pitch with him, and he's just putting away. And yeah, 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 okay, yeah, 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 sure, sounds good. Yeah, yeah, great. He goes, and by the way, guys, we got a tee off time in forty five minutes at Sherwood, so oh, let's, let's get, get going. going. <laughs> and, and Brian's like, oh, okay. So at this point, Sherwood I don't even know whether do we have a deal? Don't we have yeah. a deal? But I know we're yeah. going to play golf, which is fine with me. That's fine with you. Yeah, you'll yeah. take that. Yeah, and I think Wayne played with us, didn't yep. he, or just come out? No, he played, right? he played that day, which was yeah. like huge for me. Yeah. How, right, what, what right. would your that what would your interaction have been with Wayne at this point? Uh, had, Just, had you met yeah, him a few Mike times? Mike said or? this is Brian. We're you know we're talking about doing a deal for the framing. But and you you hadn't met him. I met too him. Many I, other I think times? a couple of times through Brad. Okay. But, but nothing. So from that to golfing with him must be pretty intense. But Brad, you will you would have had a, a, a more significant relationship at this point, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And well, like I say, I went. I know Wayne. I went on the '94 tour with them for three weeks. Um, I remember the well, specifically was the the night that Walter had had a, an aneurysm and in Brantford, or it was actually in Paris, and it was a Tuesday, and uh, you know we'd all heard it on the news and everything. And Wayne called me and he goes, "Hey, what you know? What are you doing?" And I go, "Where, where are you?" And he goes, "Well, I'm in I'm in Hamilton. I'm at uh, you know I'm at McMaster." And he says, "What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm." supposed to go to buffalo to learn he says well, why don't you come down and we'll go out for, uh, let's go out for dinner or something i said you okay you sure and he goes yeah yeah i need a break i need to you know a break to get out of the hospital here so i went down to sheridan picked up wayne and kim and glenn his brother and sister and we went back up to the hospital and phyllis was in the one room with a couple of the other people and we had just talked and they and phyllis had just said you know they're going to operate on them tonight um we'll let i'll keep you posted on what's happening but you know, will you guys go out and get something to eat? And I said, well, we're out having dinner. And basically the conversation was like they're saying he's not supposed to make it through the night, um, you know, with the surgery and everything. They don't really know what's going on. And was this back in 94? So, uh, no, it was it was after that. 
I believe. I can't remember. Yeah. Okay, but it was it was it was a significant amount of time ago. This is not recent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was th- over thirty years ago, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and so he had uh, we had dinner and everything. <clears throat> Kim and and we're having a few drinks at dinner and you know trying to make light of a, a really bad situation. And uh, Kim and, and Glenn wanted to go back to the hotel. And Sheridan, so I said, okay, I'll drop you. Yeah, Wayne goes, well, I don't want to go back to the hotel. He says, Jenny, do you guys want to? Do you want to go somewhere? We'll find a drink because I'm going. It's a Tuesday night in Hamilton, and I'm going. <laughs> I'm not sure it's going to be a real hot spot, but all right. So we asked some guy that worked at the restaurant. He goes, yeah, go to this place. It's the only place on a Tuesday night that's anything that's open, right? So drop those guys off, and I remember driving in the parking lot, and it was a, the lineup was out. You could see it when you're driving in. There's a huge line to get into this bar. And I, we park, and I go, okay, get out of the car. And now everybody turns and looks, and they can see it's Wayne. Well, I walk to the front of the line thinking, okay, we're just going to walk right in because I'm with the great one, and I'm not going to. And I'm walking in, you know, da, 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 and I look behind me, and Wayne's gone to the back of the line. And I'm like, what What, what are you, are you doing? doing? <laughs> so, fuck. I, I, you know, every, I, I go back to the back, and I go, what are you doing? He goes, just wait here. Trust me. 10 seconds later, the manager comes back and he goes, Hey, Wayne, guys, you guys can come on right on in. You know, come on in. Just come on in the front. And Wayne goes, No, no. He says, It's okay. We'll wait for everybody else in front of us to get in. Wow. And I'm looking at him going, Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> I know what he's thinking. And then all of a sudden, the guy walks, the manager walks in front of the door. The door opens. Everybody in line in. walked right in. Yeah. And I'm like, Okay, now that's pretty cool. That's I'm amazing. Sure I, I'm standing in line all the time, and you see somebody go to the front, and you go, look at that prick there, right. Mr. Big Wheel, walking in front of you. So everybody in that line knows it's Wayne and knows what he's done, right? And they're like, well, they're not going to say a bad thing about that. So we walk in, the bar's jumping or whatever for Hamilton on a Tuesday. <laughs> I go walking where everybody is. He goes walking over in the other far corner where there's nobody there. I go walking, I go, what are you doing? He goes, trust me, Janny, they're going to find us. So sure enough, we sit down, and next thing you know, the whole crowd that's over there is back over in this corner. And I'm like, oh, you're right, again. Like he says, you got to earn your nickname every day. Wow. And I was like, and we got absolutely crushed that night. It was, it was, it was one of, it was a, it was a fun night. But I just remember the way, like somebody of that magnitude to do that, you know, could have just walked to the front. And nobody would have said, and he goes, no, no, I'm going to wait for everybody to get in. And that's, uh, that's that was, really that cool. cool. I it's, told the story of, of sitting with him at the bar in, in his restaurant and then ha- asking the guy next to him to, uh, if, if the guy had a camera on the counter and yeah. said, would you mind if I had my picture taken with right, you? you? Right. Know, it's like that. He was such a class guy. That those, way. those sorts of things go such a long way. And it's, it's something that you, you know, as people like like ourselves, who we're, we're not going to be skipping any lines anytime soon, it, it, we would never think to do something like that. We would just say, hey, if we had that sort of poll, of course, I'm just going to walk into the front of the line. The like sure. you talk about like a, a player who just makes the NHL and they're great at what they do, but they don't make those veteran plays. And everyone always talks about, you know, the veteran mentality that you have when you've been in the league for 15 years. That is a veteran play that Wayne yeah, made. Yeah. Just oh, knowing. Sure. Yeah. And nobody. I'm having dinner it. with Wayne and Janet. Uh, at the, one of the Canada Cups, and we're in uh, Yorkdale or something where all the rich and famous and all the beautiful people are. And it's it's a nice day out. We're sitting outside, and just the three of us, and Wayne's having dinner. Well, it starts. People come walking over. Oh, Mr. Gretzky, can I get an autograph? You know, and I'm like, all during dinner, right? And I'm like, wow, how do you not snap? 
you know, like I, I it was like I, I would have snapped. You know, you're trying to have your dinner, and he would just take the paper. He wouldn't look up, and he would just think, and then he'd turn and hand it back to them. And afterwards, as I said, Wayne, how, like, how do you not snap? Like, why wouldn't you just say, hey, I'm having dinner or something like that? And he goes, you know what? He goes, Jenny, the reason I make the money and what I have is because of these people. And if I if, if I do that, you know, and I, I went back and went, oh, it's another great point. And I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. It you is know? it is a good point. And, and you have this level of celebrity, I think, where people get split down the middle, where some of them think, I don't owe you anything. So don't bug me at dinner. And there are celebrities that, that do that. And, and who's to say how any of us would be if we were in that situation? I know that I would get incredibly frustrated if I constantly were being bothered by people uh, showing up and, and, and saying hi to me at a, at a bar for, for well, I, no I get reason. it all the time. Yeah. yeah no, they, they're coming up and telling <laughs> Honestly, me to leave, they, though. That's I get a different it all the time. Going, when are you going to pay and get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> But no, it seems like Wayne went the other way and, and he had, like you said earlier about the lying thing, kind of every right in the world to not be that way and, and chose. Well, here's chose another story very similar. I was having drinks with Wayne at, uh, in Toronto about, well, last time he was in, at the hotel there. And the, the, I think it's the uh, Four Seasons that's at downtown anyways. They, they rope off an area and the fans know. That somehow they know when Wayne's in town. Right. I don't know if somebody calls him, whatever, but there's 20 people and I'm sitting upstairs uh, having drinks with Wayne, and uh, his agent comes in and says, Gretz, um, there's about 20 people outside. When we go to dinner, you, you know, you got to avoid maybe we go out the back. He says, no, Wayne says, and I go out the front. i got to sign a few autographs for those people. They've been waiting all this time. Right. And his, his agent says, well, yeah, but, you know, you got this deal with Upper Deck, and, you, you know, you could take away from the amount sure, of stuff. Sure. Wayne says, Brian, what do you think? And I said, you know, I've never – had a problem with any of my players signing for for the fans outside yeah. in in reasonable numbers. Yep. I said that helps the industry. But that said, you're known to be one of the nice guys that will sign a few things. Yep. The kids, and that's why they are like they are. And and do you know the story with him and Michael Jordan sitting in the bar? No. No. So Wayne was. Is it a joke? No. no. <laughs> it sounds like the start of a joke. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan. <laughs> And a guy from Newfoundland walk into a bar. <laughs> no, they were Michael Jordan. Wayne Wayne told me this. He was sitting in a in a restaurant one time, and they told him there's a bunch of people outside waiting sure. for autographs. Word got out. The two of those guys in a bar. Can you imagine how many people are waiting? And uh, Michael says, "Well, let's get going." And he says, "They're all going to go." He says, well, "Aren't you worried about this?" He says, "How long are you going to stay?" He says, oh, "No, they'll all come to you." And Wayne says, "What do you mean they'll all come to me?" He says, "Just watch." And they went outside. Michael just walked off pretty much without any bother and everybody stuck with Wayne. What? Now, wait a second. Why is that? Because they know that Michael Jordan will not sign autographs. Oh, uh, they're all autograph hounds and they yeah. know Wayne will. And all Wayne right. didn't know that until afterwards. And he told me, he says, they all came to me and maybe a couple of people follow Michael, but he wouldn't for sign it. For a brief couple seconds, Wayne is thinking I'm way more popular than Michael Jordan. I am so much more popular than Michael Jordan yeah. that they don't even notice him walking. Or, no, or maybe thinking, I wish I was Michael Jordan right now. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, first of all, you had me at two guys in a bar and I'm thinking those lucky bastards are in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, actually, we're sitting here recording just before the uh, the bars open up again. Uh, yeah, but tomorrow. that's 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 coming tomorrow as of our recording. But this will be releasing a little bit later. So we're 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 getting we're getting ready for the world to turn a little bit and maybe have some more stories and interactions with these guys. But uh, one such interaction that I I would love to go back to uh, used to happen year after year in Las Vegas. 
And that was the Wayne Gretzky. Wait, wait, camp. we we left off at the golf game because there's a good story about playing golf with Wayne at Sherwood. Oh, sure. When we left the office. Oh, okay, yeah, go for it, go for it, right, Jenny? You take oh, it yeah. from here. Yeah, but yeah. we it, it, now I'm going to play golf, and I'm thinking we're going to play golf. Now we're going to Thousand Oaks, and we're playing Sherwood Country Club, which right. is where Wayne was building a home. Right. Go ahead, Jenny. Yeah. So his house was, I think, it was on the fifth. One of the houses he was having built was on the fifth hole. And, uh, you know, beautiful. And we're, we're going down the fifth hole. And Wayne goes, hey, guys, guys, come on. Let's go up and see the." And you know, he's looking. He's pointing. He goes, here's the house I'm having built over here. Let's Come on, let's go. Up. Drives the golf carts off the golf course up into this thing, uh, into the house. And it's spectacular, big, beautiful house. And we've got golf spikes on, like metal spikes back in the day. used to. And he goes, come on, come on in. And he's got brand-new hardwood floors. They're laying them at the and, time. Laying the floors down, and we're walking around this place. He's showing everything, and we have golf spikes. Regrets, we got metal spikes. Ah, don't worry about it. It's okay. Don't. And he's showing off this house, and we're and all you can hear is click, 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 click. And I'm thinking, oh my god, these floors are done already. Oh, man. Goes, they had paper on. on them, but on the way out, I said, I, I felt terrible, and I'm, yeah, I, I look yeah. under the. There's a little pop pockmarks all in the floor that we walked up yeah. the stairs. Janet would have freaked out oh, if she knew. Oh, like, would have lost her mind. <laughs> well, that, lost your mind. So, so you got, how did you guys golf that day? Did you get dad? Did you get the yips playing next to the great one? No, or? I didn't get the yips, but I, you know, it was, it's a, such a spectacular course. I've played it yeah. a number of times since. Well, speak, and, speaking of Wayne Gretzky and golf, cause I, I'm sure there's more to this story, but as a little caveat, uh, Wayne Gretzky had his celebrity golf tournament, which took place in, uh, Collingwood years ago. Yeah. And I, you were there, Brad, I believe, right? Yeah. Well, I, I played, it was one. actually, it was a nationwide event. Actually, it wasn't a celebrity thing. It was a pro-am. Right, right. right? It was so, the pro-am, and everyone, Charles Barkley was there, Jason Spezza yeah. was there, Jerry D was there. Like, I, I, Dean Blundell was hosting, like, the after show. It was, it was like, a very big deal. And uh, Plus pros from the tour. Plus pros from the tour. And, and yeah. you, Dad, had invited me uh, on the basis that I was going to be your caddy. And I'm thinking, yeah. this is great, because all I have to do is, is walk 18 holes, and I get to, you know, be hanging out with everyone. And, and I was. However, when it came time to lift my dad's bag, A... On a good day, you have a notoriously enormous bag. I don't know what you keep in there, but it is, it's so big that before we had modified it, and I'll get into the modifications a little bit later, before we had modified it, pros were making fun of you for how big your bag, pros were making fun of you. The guy who, who you, you could probably use a sand wedge and a driver and a five iron, and, and that's all you're going to need. But you have this enormous bag, which was just devastating on my back. I'm uh, probably like a... It was full. And one thing that he did to avoid losing more golf balls uh, was modifying the bag. And by modifying, I mean, you know, sometimes you have a couple beers in your bag. That's oh, fine. Yeah. That's understandable. My dad was so nervous about playing in a pro-am that he stocked the bag with ice and like seven or eight beers. It was the heaviest thing I'd ever had to carry for 18 holes. Couldn't play sober. Not to mention, sure. he... I, you know what? It's funny you should say that because I said the same thing. I was nervous as well. And I had Kirk Muller playing in my group and he, he was, was nervous. nervous. Yeah. And uh, I said to Gretz the night before, I said, Jesus, I don't, how do you play in these things? Like I'm, I got to have a couple cocktails on the course to, to settle down. And he goes, Johnny, do you think I'm drinking Gatorade? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go, well, you got a Gatorade bottle. He goes, you think that's Gatorade in that bottle? Yeah. And I go, 
Gotcha. Okay, perfect. Yeah, my so, dad was drinking that, the foamiest beer I've no, ever no, seen. You know the foamiest was? coffee I've ever seen in so my life. I bring a coffee cup and I'm walking down the first fairway and I'm actually pretty calm because I started drinking about a half an hour, an hour before. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. hit the ball pretty good down the fairway and the and the pro I forget the guy's name, real nice guy. Dave Schultz. Dave Schultz was yeah. his name, believe it or not. He, he, he wasn't a hockey to the player. He was saying, he saying, I know I I know what my name is. I have no relation yeah, yeah, to him. Yeah. Don't ask me. <laughs> right. And then hit his shot. And he looks over at me, I got a Starbucks cup. And he said, because this is being televised. Right. So they said, no alcohol. You know, you can't, you know. So he says, that's a coffee to start the game. He says, it, it gets you a little shaky. I said, that's not coffee. <laughs> and he goes, that's a pro move yeah. right there. He said veteran Vet, move. Veteran like, move. Like, like right we were talking about. Yeah. 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 Um, and that was had, a great event, though. That was, oh, I mean, was that's phenomenal. the, like, it was, those are the American League players of the PGA. But they were all so good. Like, I mean, so good. They were so and good and I, so so friendly and fun. Yeah, it was a very yeah. great atmosphere. Me, as, as someone who had no business well, being re- there. Remember afterwards, and I'll let you finish this because this is a great story. We get back into the bar, and, of course, it's one big party. Right. And getting into 10 o'clock. And, and we were actually, my team was actually close to the lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the first day. So we get into the bar, and John Elway's throwing these they had these wicker basket things and it, all yeah. the guys at Charles Barkley sitting there and Charles Barkley came over because I'm sitting with Mike Brown Wayne's brother-in-law and then Wayne came by it at some point so Mikey's sitting there as a 19 year old and he's sitting there with me and talking to Charles Barkley I said okay you know what this is getting stupid it's 12 o'clock or 12 30 I gotta get that we're we're doing well in the tournament I'm right. going to bed right. next morning we're going out <laughs> yeah. to the tee and Charles Barkley goes, "Hey, Mikey, what's happening, baby?" <laughs> he was up. It was, no, it was it was all night. We were just shooting the shit, drinking, going probably shot for shot. It, what what got me in there? Because, like I said, Charles Barkley has no reason to want to talk to me. But he, I was introduced to him, and he said, "How old are you?" And I gave him my age, and he said, "Oh, my daughter's around your same age." And I just looked him dead in the eyes, and I said, "Well, where is she?" And then he oh, just yeah, <laughs> nice. And he's the biggest man I've ever seen in my life was Charles Barkley. He's enormous. I and couldn't he's scary. believe how big he was. Yeah. Like it was. And John Elway is a massive man too. I couldn't believe how big he was. Yeah. But Barkley, I'm looking up at him. He's got the biggest head I've seen. And oh, I'm like, man. This guy is massive. Well, see, that's why he was massive. so good at, at rebounding was because everyone else was going up thinking his head was the basketball. They were grabbing <laughs> oh, the wrong target. Um, yeah, I remember though, guy. at that tournament too, there was uh, on the last day, it was another big party. No one had to go to bed early to worry about their golf game the next day and uh, a massive party at like K2 or whatever one of the bars in, in Collingwood were. And there was this, this waitress that I was talking to there and she was like, I get off in, in, you know, 20 minutes or so. Do you want to go hang out? I'm like, absolutely, obviously. And uh, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to run to the bathroom and I leave. And as I'm coming back, she's, I won't say his name, but she's walking out with another NHL player. And she looks at me yeah. and it's just like, sorry. And I'm like, I sorry. can't blame yeah. you for that. Like, what, what am I going to do? Snooze, you lose. Yeah, exactly. You know what? See, you wouldn't want to be you. <laughs> One more quick story. So the next day, I got to play. I said we're within the top three of the lead. Had a really good first round. And now uh, we go to the driving range. And my other son, Chris, he's caddying for me. So we go to the driving range. And I'm playing to a seven. I'm a pretty good player at the time. Yeah. And so I'm on the driving range. And all of a sudden, I shank a shot. Oh, right. And then, well, I don't Chris says, what was that? And I said, I I just must have looked up. Then I shank don't another. Don't say it. One. Don't say that word. Don't say it. Oh, and <laughs> shank, I shank another don't say one. It. <laughs> and then I get so screwed up. It's in my head. So I said, "Chris, give me, give me that vodka that's in my bag." And he looks in the bag. He says, "Oh, it's not here. I must have left it in the car." 
I said, you get down to that fucking car right now. I can't drink fast enough to get. And I shit the bed that day so bad I couldn't play. And it was so embarrassing. I went from a seven handicap to a guy that couldn't hit the fairway. It was so embarrassing. That's that's golf, man. It's it's, it's so mental. Exactly. It's so mental. That's why you sell pictures. <laughs> as long as it's not a picture of you teeing off, then I think we're all good. Um, you know, we we can take it from there then. So I, I, I'm assuming that based on that golf uh, course meeting that it went pretty well because we were sort of in bed with WG Authentic from then on yeah. until, until they... Uh, well, as Brad was very close with the family, but Mike Brown became... Uh, very close with all of us yeah. and and Mike and I and his family and his uh, Bobby and Alex Alex uh, ended up becoming like some of my closest friends yeah. along yeah. with Brad and uh, spent a lot of time going to LA I loved to go to LA it was great time anytime you were there there was always something exciting going on hey eh, Brad well yeah and it was pretty easy when you're you know you're just part of the entourage and you just tail along with you know with the great one and he's got everything set up and you you give the old one I'm with the great one, so I'm going in. Yeah. Like, do you have any credentials? No. But do I need them? I'm with Gretzky. Okay, go on in, sir. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. Do you have any any specific memories? Maybe I'll ask both of you because I don't have a ton of uh, interactions with him. I have I have a few, but um, a one specific memory with you and the great one that that stands out in your mind, Dad. Why don't you go first? Well, you know, this is actually a better one for Janny because he can do the accents. But sitting in the locker room at Sherwood. Um, and the locker room at Sherwood oh, yeah. is filled with major yeah. celebrities. Go, go, because I was just in awe. You're afraid to take your clothes off in the men's locker room. It's so nice. <laughs> like, it's crazy. You, you think you're in, like, this beautiful, like, museum. You don't even want to take your clothes off. It's crazy how nice it is. You and, just want to walk, walk around and look at the names on the locker room. For Brad to say he doesn't want to take his clothes off, I, that, is a, that is a big thing. That's... Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, especially yeah. when there's a hundred guys around you. <laughs> <laughs> now that's what I call a party. No, but so so I'm I'm walking around the lockers and Jack Nicholas was there on the everybody all these big names Tom Selleck had a locker there former yeah. presidents Gerald Ford and Brad goes in he goes he just walks in nobody puts a lock on it because you know it's all big name guys right sure so he. Wayne was uh, taking a shower somewhere wasn't in the room at the time and he goes into Wayne's locker right tell him. What, what happened? What, what you you go into the locker, Wayne's locker, and he, t- he takes all these golf balls out. Wayne had special golf balls that, that were, had ninety nine on them. He says, "Here, have yeah. a sleeve." Have a sleeve. I took all of them. I said, "He's not paying for them anyway." First time we played there, I played Sherwood with Wayne. It was like I was so hungover. Then from the night before, is like one of my first times. And he goes, "Come on, you got it. We're playing this golf course. You're gonna love it." We get in the men's locker room. And I'm like, again, I'm freaked out. I don't want to take my clothes off. And we go into like the area where there, there's a little bar and everything. He goes, let's get some breakfast. And I go, can I get a menu? The guy, Wayne goes, they don't have menus here, man. They just make whatever you want. You tell them what you want, they'll make it. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not feeling great. How about a, just give me a Western, a Western omelet. Sitting around the table, omelet comes. I'm bent down just trying to shovel this thing. In my, and I hear, hi, Wayne, how you been hitting them? And I look up. Start spitting the omelet at Sean Connery standing oh, at our table, looking at. Hi, Wayne. How you been hitting him? He goes, well, hi, Sean. Yeah, I'm hitting him pretty good. He goes, how about you? Oh, I can't hit with a shit. And then he around. I'm like, look over. Go. That was Sean Connery. Holy. I spit half my omelet out over the table, and I'm like, holy Christ! It was unbelievable. The people that were out there, like 
I bet. The celebrities. And it's, then it, we it, went down. Like nothing. We went down to play that course. Wayne did a celebrity event at his course. Right. And uh, with the cocktail party on the on yeah. his on his tennis courts afterwards. But I'm sitting there. Brad was on my team with Brian Ducek, my RVP, and uh, who else was there? One other person, or was it just the four of us? Not no, me. I feel we like had three because we played with uh, the guy who was coach. Oh yeah, 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 um, yeah. yeah. yeah um, Wasn't it Bobby with us, Bascom? Bob Bascom, yeah. Oh, good friend, so, good friend of the good, family. Yeah. Good friend, friend so. of Brian's. He can't even remember he was there. <laughs> so this was things were turning around pretty good at that time. So so I bought a team. Wayne used to give me a team, but I said, no, we can't keep taking. So right, I bought right. a team and we went down. But we had, um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. He played he played the star role in coach. And I got a picture on a wall. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, so we we had, and then we met, um, what's it, Eberhardt? Angie Eberhardt? Remember her? Everhart. Yeah. Everhart. I know her because she Justin was on the Timberlake team. Justin Timberlake was there. Justin uh, Timberlake. Like there was Cindy Crawford. Oh. It was oh. it was crazy. So in these in these situations, I mean, obviously, you know, we tell the story like, oh, it was crazy. Everyone was there. Do these celebrities get enamored by the other celebrities? Is that a side of this that that we don't see? Because I'm just assuming, you know, if I'm Justin Timberlake, I'm I'm not going to be intimidated by Wayne Gretzky because I'm well, just I get harassed a lot. Yep. Yeah, sure. yeah, you do, of course. Again, and it's to yeah. pay your bill and leave. But that's you know just what, another no, story. Brad is the best around celebrities because he's not. It, whether he's intimidated or not, he doesn't show it. And then he starts the one-liners and gets them laughing. Yeah. Like, I get nervous around them. He's just, like, making them laugh. And we, I, we had that great shot that I still have with uh, Cindy Crawford and uh, who else was in there? Ch- uh, Cheech. Huh. Uh, Cheech Marin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and Wayne was in the shot. And we were all just hammered on the tennis court. And somebody said, take this photo. Get it quick. Yeah, yeah. So it was just incredible. That's, that's she amazing. was one of the, the, the most beautiful women I've ever seen live, Cindy Crawford, yeah. other than my wife. I was going to say, thank you for saving that because I didn't want to have to edit this part out of the <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yeah, right. Now, yeah. I mean, that's just one example. And, and I feel like every time you're on, Brad, we're, we're teasing some other stories that we have. But I would love to, at some point, I mentioned it earlier, get into some of the stories about you know not just the ins and outs and the celebrity interactions and athlete interactions at the Wayne Gretzky fantasy camp but a little bit about what that fantasy camp is and how they sort of run we're running out of time today but I think I'd I'd like to tease that for for the the next episode so um, anything else Brad from you I know you already said that you're uh, you're just enjoying retirement over there it looks like uh, if you're watching this on YouTube you'll see there's a beautiful background there a little bit of the wind in the background and uh, any anything else you want to add before we take so I guess um we're, since we're doing Wayne stories, we'll go back to the one of the the all time in my mind the all time greatest was uh, ninety four. We're in we're in Freiburg, Germany. It's the last game on the Gretzky tour, and they Wayne had said, you know, bring your equipment with you because um, he knew I could play because I told him I could play, and uh, so he says, bring your equipment because we're going to practice and you know it'd be good and so. So I bring all my gear with me, and, and sure enough, every you know every morning or pregame skate, I'd get dressed and go or whatever, and go out and skate around and do all the practice and everything. So, like uh, Brian had mentioned, the last game we were kind of short on players because Theo Fleury had to go, Doug Gilmore wasn't there, and uh, Sergey Fedorov was kind of hurt. So we were down players, and Doug Doug Wilson was our coach, and I remember riding the cab over to the to the game, and he, he says, "Hey, Johnny," he goes. Uh, we're going to dress you tonight. And I'm looking over and go, what? I go, yeah, I'd love to dress. He goes, no, no, we may have to play you. <laughs> and I'm like, 
I'm now I'm shitting my pants. Like I'm like, are you kidding me right now? So yep, no problem. I go, I'm like, oh okay. So I get my gear and like, and then everybody now it's all around. All the guys know, right? I'm gonna dress well. They're all kind of you know, go get a massage, get this, do that, you know, and you're playing the role, right? And I'm nervous as shit. Like I'm, I mean, you got Al McGinnis, you got Rob Blake, you got Coffee, you got Messier. I mean, Muller, Iserman. These are all the guys in the room. The tournament, the, the, the this room. was the 99ers, I believe, the year yeah, of the, yeah. the, the lockdown. So that was right? the, the whole point was that they were the best of the best at the time, right? So you're uh, not just playing. mostly Wayne's friends. Well, also and, the well, best mostly, of the best. Yeah, yeah. And good players. Yeah. So they go and we do warm up and everything. And then they've got to introduce all the players. And so I'm, I had number 94 because I made a jersey up. It was 94. Anybody that went on the jersey, like on the tour for the parents and everything, we did 94. So I had my name, Jansen, on the back, 94. So they're, they're going to introduce everybody all the way, you know, and they'd never say <clears throat> the team. They couldn't say the NHL team. Like they'd go, number 72, Rick Tockett, Philadelphia. Oh, right, 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 right. So they wouldn't say Philadelphia Flyers or whatever it was. So Rick Tockett would go out and go, Paul Coffee, 77, Pittsburgh, right? And, and I'm, and so we're walking through the line. I'm 94. And Wayne's 99. So he's behind me and I'm in front of him. And they all go and line up on the, the, the line, right? The blue line. And they skate out. And my, the people, you know, are clapping and going crazy. And I turn to Wayne. And I go, hey, where am I from? Like, what, where did you come on I'm from? And they went, oh, we just said you're from, from L.A. LA. We just you said, said L.A. I said, oh, okay, okay great. great. So, so I get Bruce, Bruce Bennett, Bennett, who's the famous, famous photographer for the NHL. NHL. I, said, I said, Bruce, you got to snap every picture you can of me because nobody's going to fucking believe that I'm on the ice with these guys or I'm even dressed because there was no internet or anything back there. He goes, yeah, yeah, no problem. So those are the, the pictures I have Brian frame up for me. So we start walking out, and everybody's on the line, and then I come to the front of the line. And the spotlight kind of comes out. And the place goes crazy. Starts going nuts. And I'm looking around going, what the fuck is going on here? They're cheering and screaming. And I'm looking around going, what? These fucking, what is happening? <laughs> and I turn around and look. And Wayne's behind me. And they can see him. And he's doing the wave. He's waving to all the oh. spectators. Because the spotlight. And I'm thinking. And I kind, kind of skate, skate out on that and shake my, my head. head. I'm like, what? And, and meanwhile, meanwhile, it's him, him behind me, me waving at everybody. Everybody. And the fans, I'm like. I'm looking going, why are they giving me such a big ovation? Like, they don't even know who I am. You should have you <laughs> just pretended it was for you, man. Just, just own well, I, it. I, and it was like weird. And the guys are on the, on the blue line laughing. Because yeah. they can see the look on my face, like, stunned. Like, <laughs> really? What's, what's this all about? And sure enough, they can see Wayne in the background. And they see him walking out. And he's the last guy. To, and he comes on the ice. And he's beside me. And he starts laughing. And he goes, how was that introduction? Yeah. Go, it was pretty good for you. Oh, <laughs> my God. That but, I couldn't imagine. But that you feeling. weren't supposed to play that game, right? No, because Mike Barnett was freaked out because no insurance. And, right, right, and that's right, Wayne's right. agent at the time. And he'd said, you know, you can't play him if he gets hurt, da-da-da, and whatever. And so sure enough, uh, Dougie Wilson goes, hey, Johnny, you're up. And I go on, and I had Pat Conacher and Tony Granato and Paul Coffey, and I think it was Charlie Huddy. And we're trying to, and the face-offs in our own end. And I'm going, you guys, you want me to do the left side or right side? And cough skates, and then he goes, listen, guys, we're obviously fucking down a man. Let's just get this going. And I look at cough, well, thanks, cough. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. The draw goes to him. I go up the wall. He throws a suicide pass to me. No. Like, I'm going to get killed. And I turn around and give him the old hairy stink eye. I go, thanks, cough. That was great. Yeah, trying to get me killed. 
<laughs> is that okay? So when Barnett come running around, tell him get get the fuck oh, off, yeah. guys. Get uh, in between periods. He's like, get him the fuck off. Everybody's, <laughs> everybody's giggling. What was the uh, uh, what was the level of competition in this tournament? Well, it was all all. Uh, this one was an all star team. Like uh, they're they're all star team. So they it was Peter it was Klayman heated. Playing. Like it, it wasn't like they were getting. Oh no any no! Time it off. was uh, they had their top on. Uh, these guys wanted to, whoever you're playing, they wanted to, to beat these guys. Yeah. And now, you know, when they got going, these guys got going, nobody was going to beat them. Right, right, right. You know, depends. Like, you know, this was an all-star team of Germany, of the players they could get kind of in. And it was a, it was an add-on game at the end. We weren't supposed to go to Freiburg, but we were already there. And the guy said, hey, you come here. I'm going to let you guys go to the Hugo Boss factory and you can get whatever you want. And, Ooh, uh, not bad. you know, so we're like, and it's, it's a private plane. So I was like, you guys that care if we stay an extra couple days and everybody's like, yeah, sure. Let's, you know, and so we ended up over in Germany and then right after that game, we flew back home right afterwards. Wow, pretty lucky for you. That's a story. You you have yeah, a tendency to awesome. end off these podcasts with, I mean, last time it was the, the time you got in a fight with Ty Domi. So if you're listening to this and you haven't heard that, definitely go back and listen. But fantastic story and a fantastic uh, Next time we've got well. to get into the fantasy camp because we'll get all of our uh, 15 years of guys that oh, have played yeah. in that listening to this thing because there yeah. are a ton of stories from Wayne Gretzky's hockey fantasy camp. Yeah, and, it, and Brad and I were a big part of helping put that together if you with haven't, Mike if, Brown. If you haven't picked up on it yet, every time Wayne and his friends get together in any circumstance, uh, some good stories are, are liable to happen. So um, oh, looking absolutely. forward to getting that. Uh, so, Brad, thanks again once again for joining us. Uh, I'm here also with Brian Aaronworth, president of Frameworth, and myself, Mikey Aaronworth, co-host of the Sign Out Podcast, and this is us signing off. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to the end of yet another episode. Thanks again so much for joining us. You can find videos of all of our episodes on YouTube by searching the Sign Off Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frameworth Sport or Instagram at Frameworth Sports. And hey, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter over at, at Retrograde Mikey, or you can always find me embarrassing myself over on Instagram at Aaronworth. The Sign Off is a proud product of Fadu Productions and Sad Styles Productions, executive producers Mikey Aaronworth and Andrew Bascom. Until next week, this is Mikey Aaronworth, signing off. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!